Welcome to the Artie's Attic Warehouse 13 Fancast, where a steampunk girl, a lifelong sci-fi fan, and a rocket scientist chat about the popular 2009 sci-fi series. There's never a dull moment with the agents dedicated to protect humankind from unexplained phenomena that manifest their powers in special objects. And there's all those friendships and relationships along the way. Grab a cookie while you can. Hope you don't smell fudge. Gear up with your Farnsworth Tesla and neutralizer. And let's have some fun by snagging it, bagging it, and tagging it. Welcome back to Artie's Attic, a Warehouse 13 fan cast. I'm the Warehouse 13 janitor installing hundreds of warehouse shelf brackets this week just to provide a plot point to reunite Claudia with Todd. My name is SP. Nice. And introducing Artie's Attic lead agent and historian who, despite not having any modern identification or passports, is able to cross international borders, infiltrate top secret U.S. facilities, and obtain death certificates faster than the speed of plot. It's Agent Shannon. I got skills like that. Okay, so skills. I got skills. Okay, skills. Oh, no, I have, what's, what's the quote from Zena? Oh, I have many skills. Yes. And also joining us is the warehouse agent who specializes in using anything resembling a bat, using amazing athletic skill to trap dangerous croquet balls in a Soviet-era refrigerator, despite only being able to bowl a 71 game a few scenes previously. It's Agent Carolyn. Hey, I got a wrestling injured shoulder, so, Mm -hmm. you know... It, that batting arm just uh, seems yeah, like it's, it's okay. Totally a different muscle. It's totally mm, different muscle. Right, right. I'm ambidextrous, so you know I use the other arm. I see. <laughs> What's up, guys? Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> I have so many questions now. <laughs> that's what she said. I know. Eh? <laughs> and as a special guest star in the warehouse this week <laughs> is the regent with notable previous. Starring podcast roles covering Star Trek, cheesy 80s science fiction movies, and dangerous ancient weaponry. It's Regent Jake. Hello. Hi, Jake. Hi, Jake. <laughs> I thought Regent. we were going to I, I, I can't don't know. see you. I can't see your face, Jake, but I thought it was going to be one of those moments where we're like, eh, that's you. <laughs> say, say, say something now. It's your turn. Yeah, I, don't let hey, me have to say that you at the end. You, you, the, for, hey, the, the fact that I can never remember to say goodbye at the end of a podcast has come up again <laughs> and again and it's, again. It, it's your thing now, though. It's okay. Hmm. It's I don't know. Thing. You, you got you're pumping up Jake so much. You think his head's going to fit through the door? You call him a regent like that? I mean, <laughs> it's the only way to go, especially with what happens in this episode. And we'll get to it in a couple of minutes here. <laughs> We are continuing our Warehouse 13 discussion with the episode that premiered on August 31st, 2010, two and a half years before The Americans premiered on FX. I'm referring to the Warehouse 13 Season 2 ninth episode, Vendetta. The IMDb description reads, When somebody uses artifacts from Artie's past to commit a series of murders, the team must fly to Russia to track down the killer. But things get more complicated when HD tracks them down and offers to help. Meanwhile, Claudia digs into Todd's past and finds some disturbing information. 
Shannon, this is another HG Wells special episode for you. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. And this is the first one where you find out a little bit more of her backstory. You find out that she asked to be bronzed. You find out that the reason they were so... I have a problem with Artie not liking her, but I'll get to it in a second. But you find out that she was the cause of another agent's death. That's why she was being punished. Trying to find a way to turn back time to save her daughter. So it's really cool how they integrated the whole time machine, time machine and H.G. Wells into this, even though H.G. Wells is a woman. <laughs> I have a problem with Artie hating her so much at the end and saying how he can't trust her because you got another agent killed. I'm like, what'd you do with Mr. McPherson? McPherson or Mr. Poopy Pants, what Mike Carey calls him. But <laughs> Mr. Poopy Pants. I mean, you got other people killed and you didn't, he didn't care about the girl's life or he didn't care about who was in the, he wasn't going to go into that building to save her. What was her name? Carolyn, right? His wife? It's McPherson. No, wife? I don't think it was, no, I don't think it was Carolyn. Uh, it was, uh, it was a C word though. It was, that, it was a C, but I don't think it was my name. Carol? I don't think it was, yeah. I don't Carol. Yeah. I thought it was Carolyn. Anyways, he didn't care about letting that life go. And he would have killed McPherson if he had given the, if he got the chance. But HG killing somebody that she didn't actually kill, she just got killed because of her vendetta trying to chase down the people that murdered her daughter. So I think that's kind of double standard there. Not saying that I agree with him, but. From Artie's point of view, though, what she got killed was a member of the family, somebody from the warehouse. So for him, that's a different level of having screwed up. Well, yeah, maybe. I get that. And she did kill McPherson, but he would have done it, too, if he had the chance. So you spent the whole half of the first at the end of the first season of him trying to chase him down. So. Eh. But also. Oh, uh, that's probably I was, as I'm saying. This is how Artie justifies it to himself. Mm-hmm. Also, I like the little smile that McKay, that Ma- McKay, that Mikey gave HG there at the end, where she where they come in when Pete and Mikey come in and, and they they shoot the uh, what's the man's called? What was his name? Ivan. 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 The, the Russian guy. Yeah, the, the Russian guy. They killed him. Well, no, they didn't kill him. They they tesla him. But then, you know, she sees that Artie actually helped HG. But that big, gigantic smile she gives at the end, that's the start of paying it wells. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. So here, here's my take on Artie. He is not emotionally healthy. He has emotional issues, right? And, and he's not skills. dealing with it. And I mean, it's even referenced in this episode that all guys are are not out there emotionally with the whole Claudia and Todd thing. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Those but are my choices. I, I think Ar- <laughs> Artie specifically has issues. I mean, he's dealing with trying to save people from Russian or Soviet at the time, Soviet gulags by trading artifacts, which he doesn't know are artifacts. He just thinks they're trinkets, which, by the way, makes him like Indiana Jones. So that's pretty right. Cool. I totally thought yeah, that. Yeah. Too. Like Indiana Jones. But. But it's not as cool because he didn't know it. Yeah. He yeah. and he's got this partner who's betrayed him. 
He's been all alone in the warehouse for God only knows how long, except for Lena and the regents whenever they show up. So I don't think he's emotionally capable of embracing somebody that has betrayed another agent before right away. And I do agree at the end of this, I was like, Artie, what the hell, man? You need to sit back down and take a chill pill. But I kind of get it when you understand where he is emotionally. True. Well, I get that. Being someone who's watched this episode and the series multiple times. No. (laughs) Me. He's not wrong to not trust her. True. That was the other thing I was going to bring up is they're just taking her word for it. There's no proof behind any of this. And Mike has got the whole hard eyes going and I get it. And Pete's just like, well, I guess I'll go along. I guess welcome aboard. But the truth is really where Lena starts to get the, to, re, to be able to read her. When, when Lena, yeah. I got a thing on Pete in here because he gets bad feelings, right? He's got mm-hmm. this he sixth sense, vibes. right? He sees her on that corner in, I don't know where. We'll just say Moscow. I don't know where it was. It was Moscow. Ooh, it Moscow. was Moscow. Yeah. So he sees her on the corner. He comes up to her with a Tesla. And then within seconds, he's holstering the Tesla, right? It's because he doesn't have any bad vibes. He doesn't. Because what she's trying to do right now is truthfully find Micah and truthfully find these other artifacts. Because even though she's playing the long game and they don't know that yet, she is actively trying to find these artifacts to prove to warm her way back in to the warehouse. So Mm -hmm. she is being truthful in finding that. And I think that's why Pete doesn't get any vibes from her yet. Mm -hmm. So Jake, I have a question for you. I I mentioned Indiana Jones. Can you see Saul Rubinick saying, it belongs in a museum? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it belongs in the warehouse. Yes. (laughs) It belongs in the warehouse. (laughs) Now, the first time I ever went through Warehouse 13, I didn't know about the whole Bering and Wells thing. Now, I can't not see it. Right? I know, right? It's great. So now you see all the little the little smiles, all the little subtle hints. So, because you haven't been on here before with us, and I've, these guys have in, endlessly heard me talk about it. <laughs> no. Once or twice. Bering and Wells, Jake, didn't start because the writers wrote about them. They were never meant to play they the way they they way play, the way they play it this is jamie and joanne taking the lead on their own because kenny jack kenny who's the producer director jizzy i can't remember producer showrunner yeah the showrunner he never he never wrote them to be anything other than passing agents matter of fact i posted a video here a while back where jamie was talking about how she was meant to be a love interest for pete that wouldn't have worked. It would not have worked. He is so no, beneath her, right? So, yeah, but, no, no, then, but then Joanne, she said Joanne Kelly walked in and she's like, hell yes, that's what, who, that's who I, I'm going to go after. So in the next season, in season three, you see the whole Bering and Wells vamp up a little bit. And then the fans back then, again, this was in 2010, the fans back then picked up on it. And then they started writing a little bit more for it. So they were playing into it. But the casualty is back then, sci-fi 
either was it was before they were not they were too chicken to do anything back then. They weren't going to show any female attraction towards each other on the show back then. Whereas the very next big show that came out was Defiance. And then you have Stama and, you know, and uh, the mayor's sister, right? Oh, it was Stama and whoever she wanted. I can't remember her name. Yeah, pretty much. It was Stama yeah, and whoever she Stama decided to share her but- bath beads with. Warehouse 13 ended in 2014 and Defiance started in 15. So the very next big show that came out, they were okay with it, but they weren't okay with Bearing Wells. It was, yeah, okay. I it guess was, it there was, was overlap. That time, yeah, it was, there, there was overlap. They aired the last season of Warehouse after they were aired. This is how I remember it anyway. That after they were aired the first season of Defiance. Well, yeah, and, and you see that because, again, if you're if you're a fan of Bearing Wells, like I obviously am, no, you don't get the ending <laughs> that you want at the end because they had to write her out because Jamie in real life was going over to Defiance. Mm-hmm. But there was an interview that I watched one time, and, and Jake, like you said, you can't unsee it now, but Jack Kenny had said, okay, well, don't play it like that way anymore because we, we're not going to be able to do this on the screen. And then in the interview one time, Jamie was like, well, he went home sick that day, and we just decided to play it the way we wanted to. So I was going to say, he, he tells them not to play it that way anymore, so they have the episode where they get tied together. Great idea. That's after that. <laughs> one of the final episodes of season three, you see her with someone else. Jamie's now, HG is now living a life with someone else, and Micah sees them, right? So in that episode, they weren't supposed to play it like they had broken up. So you you will get there, but you'll see it. But yeah, you can't unsee, especially now if you've been reading fanfic. <laughs> you can't unsee it now, right? Matter of fact, you're seeing a whole lot of new images of them, aren't you? Well, it showed up on Tumblr. What was I supposed to do? I read it. Would you like more? I've got tons of them. I've got, I've got. I bet you have the whole set. I've got screens of them. You haven't sent them to me. I was waiting to see that you got them all printed out. Honey, I will send everything to you. She's probably printed them out and got the whole book, you know, made into a nice book and everything. I have printed out before. Maybe it's in a trapper keeper. Oh, God. (laughs) I have one of those two in the house, actually. (laughs) I'm that old school. If you spend enough time with it, it'll turn into an artifact. It That's- has many times. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> many times have I discovered that artifact and what the powers it does. Yes. <laughs> Talking about sprinkles in the episode, we actually also have a chance for other sprinkles off screen. And it is my head canon that Agent Katie Logan and Pete have some funeral sprinkles. That could happen, Funeral but I don't know. I mean, he's got he's got Kate. You know, he's got the he's got the Kelly. vet now. Kelly. Kelly, he's got Kelly. He's got the vet now. So I don't know. You think he would? I, you know, that's hard to say because I think he's trying to be true to Kelly, especially after Micah set them up with the body swap thing, but. <laughs> I think there were some funeral sprinkles. I think, I mean, they were in D.C. for a few days. You know, you don't just show up with a dead body and the next day you have a funeral. There's a couple of days in there. 
His ringtone for her is C is for cookie. So, you know, and when and he answered that. it, it he, he did say, I just can't get enough of me. Can Which you? is also the same ringtone that he had when they introduced HG to this whole series. Because remember, Micah came back and she yes. said home and she hit the button. Which who hits yep. the button so actively they call somebody? You need to have a better lock screen. <laughs> so, Jake, we've gone over this before, but I just have to bring you through it because I know you'll appreciate it. Tia Carrera plays Agent Kitty Logan. She was in yeah. an episode of Airwolf. Did you remember that? Airwolf. No. Actually, I, I mean, Airwolf. The first thing I, I can remember Airwolf. Tia Carrera specifically from is Wayne's World. Yep. But before yes. that, she did an episode of Quantum Leap, MacGyver, and A-Team, and Airwolf. Oh, my God. I yeah. had the same reaction, Jake. I was like, seriously? Airwolf? No way. I'm going to have to go back and find that. <laughs> she was only in two episodes of Warehouse 13. This is the second episode, so we don't see Tia again. Oh, well, I guess she doesn't get sprinkled again, then. Uh, no. No more sprinkles. for No more cookie. Okay. Claudia got sprinkles though too. I think so. It kind of looked like that way. It kind of looked like. I mean, it kind of looked like they were getting sprinkles. She was all turned on by Mean Tech. Yep. Tell it to me again. I mean, Jake, if a girl is going to whisper sweet nothings in your ear about lasers, you'd probably be all for it, right? (laughs) No, that's work. (laughs) Work can be fun, right? You can combine it. Yeah. Then again, Micah could whisper whatever she wants to me. <laughs> Micah could whisper whatever. I, I would bomb for Micah any day. I'm just saying. <laughs> Go ahead and Micah or HG, obviously. Micah first, but then HG. Yes. Or both together. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm not both together. Well, see, here, here's another weird thing from when I originally watched the show to watching it now. Because when I originally watched the show, I I have to admit I had a little bit of a crush on Claudia. Now I'm close to fifty years old, and I'm looking at Claudia, especially Claudia back then, going, "Oh no, she's way too young." <laughs> <laughs> I watched an interview with her, and she does not want to go back and play that same character. She would come back and play the Claudia that's running she the would warehouse. Have to be the, yeah, the caretaker now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she does not want to be the quirky teen anymore. She's like, I've changed so much as a person, I can't go back to that. I simply can't. So imagine the audience saying the same way. No, but they say the thing is, is I could see her now taking over the, um, oh, for God's sakes, what's her name? Mrs. Mrs. Frederick. I could see her taking over the Mrs. Frederick role and have everybody expecting her to be the quirky one and being thrown off. By the fact that she is all business, at least initially. And of course she does yeah. at the end of season five. She becomes the caretaker. Yeah, but that, that's what I'm saying is, is even, you know, if they bring back, like, for example, Micah and Pete, Micah and Pete looking at her going, like, waiting for her to get all techy and cute and quirky and fun and, and then being thrown off when she's business as usual. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. was not a typical episode for the quirky sarcastic dialogue and the the quirkiness Mm -hmm. of everybody they have smatterings of it but it's not really there it's more of an in-depth character procedural or character development episode the writer for the episode is michael p fox and he's got one more episode after this 
And I think they really turn it over to other writers that really lean into the sarcastic quirkiness after this that really made the show from this point on. Yeah, we did get uh, we did get Artie's like origin story in this where he where he was trading trinkets. Which ended up being artifacts for people out of the Russian gulag. And then he found out that they were actually artifacts and turned himself in. And that's where he met Mrs. Frederick and became the Artie that we know now. So it was kind of Artie's, was an interesting Artie's origin story. Although the artifacts that we had to uh, discover in order to get those were very brutal. What does NSA stand for? National Security what? Agency. Okay. Yes, that was where he did work. So that is where he met Mrs. Fred because he turned himself in. I like how he was saying he wasn't hiding from our government. That's very true. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't change my last name to hide from our government. But now you see, I think I, I assume that was his brother in the window. He see, he said it looks just like our father, probably his younger brother. I think. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, they own a music store and he teaches violin. But they all. So he couldn't introduce himself. No. In regards to the artifacts, though, that was a piece of Jack's door from Titanic, right? Yeah, that, that was, <laughs> yeah it was. It was just driftwood, but yeah, it was. It was probably the that was piece more like of the Rose's door. door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the piece that broke off and floated down yeah. with him because that, that was the piece yeah. that she wouldn't let him climb on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that's definitely Jake's. Yeah, that's definitely his door. Yeah, that one scene might be the most talked about modern scene in cinema. It's like he did not have to die. That door was big enough. There could have been two people on. I think MythBusters even did it and said, "Yeah, two people could have been on that door." I remember that MythBusters. I watched that MythBusters, and I was like, "See, he could have lived." Yeah, that was Winslet has even been interviewed sitting there saying that she was in in the water next to James Cameron going, he'd have plenty of room. That's just sad. Poor Jack. He did everything for her and she let him drown. Man, that chain was nasty though. Then let go of his Oh my gosh. No, the idea of Takamata's chain, that was pretty kind of creepy. Dickinson did not deserve to die like that that was horrible what was he doing there so freaking late i mean paperwork it's paperwork 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 (laughs) every time that's why shannon doesn't want to do paperwork she doesn't want to be there late somebody comes in there with the chain and then all of a sudden her bones are three feet apart from each other yeah see that that was brutal i mean the what was he the it was the Spanish Inquisition. He was the, what was he, yeah, the creator was, of the Spanish Inquisition? Well, Takemata was the one who primarily ran the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. And I was the jacks. It was the chain from the rack. Oh, yeah. No, I was curious as to what the jacks would do. I mean, well, I mentioned it unless you're going to show it. Like, how did you have the jacks? What are those? The effects yeah. are unknown, but Artie appeared very alarmed when Ivan brought it out along with the other artifacts. Yeah. Why talk about it if you're not going to show what it does? That's what she said. Bubble guppy. Actually, when I, what I was waiting for when Artie pushed the table at him, I was waiting for Artie to start grabbing artifacts and fighting back. What I want to know is just how many artifacts are in Artie's bag. 
apparently a lot. <laughs> it's like a Mary Poppins bag, right? It just it's Mary going. Poppins bag. <laughs> it's like a carpet bag. This is not the first time that we've seen the tomahawk reflex hammer, right? I mean, we've seen that one before. You saw it whenever he used to, whenever they were um, chasing McPherson when he was doing the auction. And he used it. Isn't that what he, no, maybe not. Isn't that, I don't isn't that what think he we used? have. Oh, really? I swear I've seen it before. I don't You know, maybe not. So. Maybe. Oh, they used... I know what I've seen it because it looked like one of those hammers for the, the little. No, no, no. Remember the little musical toners yeah. that uh, Carolyn has a set of right now? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it looks like one of those hammers. That's where I thought I've seen it. Why before. do you have toners? What you doing? No, they're the, what are those things called? Shoot. Tuning forks? Thank yes. you. Tuning forks. Yeah, I got first. Jake, you end up with cars. I ended up with a set of tuning forks. They just showed up on my porch and I was like, um. Should I ask what you're tuning? Well, it was from the episode. Oh, There was an episode with tuning forks in it. And so these tuning forks show up at my door and I'm like, I took a picture of it and I sent it to SP. I'm like, what? What? What is I get better gifts because I got leather flashlights. <laughs> you did? I, I got leather. I got spanking objects with leather at the end of it. So it was great. It's great. I have no words. <laughs> I had plenty. I had plenty. So, so what was really funny is Bear, who's been on the podcast before, he loves just, that thing. Jeez. And, and, and she's had this like. Yes, you can have it if you want it. Yes. She was so excited. She said, I got a big fly with it. I'm like, okay. Mommy, can I have this? I'm like, as long as I don't have to tell you what it's meant for, you can have it. Well, and Jake, the uh, other thing that. uh, Shannon, you know, this is not the only discussion you're going to have to have with your kids. Oh, no. My kids, they know all. (laughs) They they got it. They They know everything about me. And last night I took them both driving. They drove my Jeep last night. Oh, they did. What? They did. They did pretty good. Yeah, we were. Michaela had a color guard practice last night, so she's signing that up for high school. So they've started their practice. Whatever. Wait a minute. Bear could reach the pedals of my Jeep when I scoot the Jeep when I scoot the seat up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, considering well, I mean, she has height. a pillow behind her, behind her back, but her legs still reach them. Yes. So <laughs> I drive. How old is Bear now? She will be 11 in June. Okay, it's about the age I taught my little brother how to drive. So we were waiting for an hour and a half for Michaela to get done, and she was at the band hall in, in the high school, and that's a very large parking lot. So we, we we did we learned how to do turns, and she learned how to park, and she did really good. As long as it is a parking spot that's coming up to a curb instead of just a parking lot, parking spot that's just in the middle of the parking lot. She, but she got it straight, so she drove about 20 minutes, and then she mentioned it to Michaela, which meant I had to get let her drive about 20 minutes, and then we switched <laughs> back over to Bear driving 20 minutes, and it was a good hour out there in the parking lot playing around, but they did well. Is they your Jeep an automatic or a standard? Automatic. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, the way I broke my foot a couple years ago, I don't know if y'all remember that, but I cannot, I have nerve damage inside of my foot. So, driving for long periods of time, I had to turn my foot to the right to let my shoe hold down the accelerator, or it's on cruise control all the time. There's no way I could drive a ship. It makes sticks, so you can just jam it in there and, you know, hold the pedal down. Plunger, yeah. Yeah. 
That's a great way to die. And I've already done that before. I don't recommend it. Twice. Yeah. Twice. I don't recommend it. I still, I, I've come to start referring to the stick shift as the uh, millennial anti-theft tool. It's great. I was right? going to say it's it's an automatic theft deterrent. I have a manual, so that's or that's what I call. If they had the survival manual written in, in cursive, they couldn't write. They can't read that either. No, they'd have to, they'd have to decipher it. So uh, along the artifacts, there was also the Charles II croquet balls. <laughs> yeah, those were funny. <laughs> Talking about Indiana Jones, that refrigerator reminded me of the Crystal Skull uh, refrigerator. Yeah. Yep, yep. They didn't nuke it though. <laughs> no. no and then there's also the phoenix which was you know in the bag again and the jack was that in his bag it was seen along other artifacts in a flashback when Artie was trading oh, yeah, yeah. artifacts well, I, know she had the, I know she pulled the, I know Michael pulled the compass out of his Bag. The funny, it's yeah, when they were, bag. when both of them were pulling things out of Artie's bag to try to find something to um, find Artie with I when he gets uh, kidnapped, and you see Micah's got like a a paddle, and she's like whacking it, seeing if it's gonna do anything. Like, what's oh, yeah. this artifact thing? Just not doing anything, and later, they're both <laughs> probably <laughs> they're both pulled a bunch of things out, and Pete's like, "Do you really think we should be going through his bag?" And both of them are like. Rah! He's like, oh, two micas. I love the flirting. I love the flirting they were doing back up. Just for the record, I put. I know it. I know you put that down. I know you know I put it. Like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then and then Pete finds the uh, case to his glasses, and he's like, oh, the case to his glasses. And Micah's like excited, and HG is looking at him like, are you guys high? <laughs> I'm so glad it's so interesting to you. And then she says, good job. He's like, no, no, no. We can use this to find it because, you know, Claudia pimped out his glasses. So See, they do work Someone well together. Someone has a receiver. <laughs> they do work well together. We ended the recurring characters of Todd, Agent Dickinson, and Katie Logan in this episode. Although we didn't know that Katie wasn't coming back. This was her last episode. So this episode ended those three characters. And as for Todd. No, we have one more, Todd. Uh, we do? Okay. Well, as for Todd, I had not remembered that he was in the Witness mm -hmm. Protection Program. So I was like, oh, yeah, when I saw that. I love the stack of papers that Claudia had as research for, like, trying to figure out where, who Todd is. It's but like this gargantuan stack. No, I totally know how to stalk people. I, I could do it. That's great. She's, she's not stalking him. I think, I think we get one more episode or he's explaining to her why she, why he has to leave because okay. he's been discovered. So the th four of us have concealed carry, right? So they get into the park, Claudia and Todd, and I thought it was hilarious that they were both struggling to pull in oh, the yeah. park. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she practiced that. To shoot themselves like, in her pants. <laughs> yeah, she practiced that. That was my favorite <laughs> scene where they were both like, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you know, yeah. you're not just an IRS warehouse agent, whatever, back and forth. And they finally were both like, well, screw it. And they, they both go for their guns <laughs> and whatever. And then it takes them like 30 seconds of pointing the guns at each other. And they're like, oh, you're in the witness protection program. Jinkies. Yeah. Smooch, 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 smooch. I love her. I love her little joinks, zoinks, and jinkies. I'm like, aw. 
that's amazing there, but they either one of them could pull that out right. or not shoot themselves in the process. Right. I was waiting for that to happen. Shannon, what was your favorite scene? Hmm. I like the graveyard scene where Micah is, well, no, where HG is explaining to Micah about her past. I like you get a little bit more of an understanding because in For the Team, HG told her about her daughter. She just, but she, but I don't think she told her about her being murdered. Did she? Yeah, she did. She said it was a brutal, That's senseless right. a brutal, murder. A brutal, 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 senseless, senseless, right? senseless murder. But this mm-hmm. one, she's talking a little bit more about. She couldn't handle it. And she's trying to, you know, you work in the place that you see magic every day. And and then Mike, I, I loved it. How this was your time machine. I like. I love that yep. line of it. So because if you remember, Mike grew up in a bookstore. She always mm-hmm. loved H.G. Wells. Her father used to read it to her, and so she's grown up loving the stories that this author has written. And then now she's actually falling in love with the the actual author uh, author of, of you know. So this was your time machine, and mm-hmm. so I like the fact that I wanted to be bronzed. Is it, it threw? You can see it on her face. It, it threw Micah. That I can't why I've seen that horrible thing. Why would anybody want to do that? How could you be in your right mind? So she I think it's the truthful answers that you got out of H. G. That scene. But of course, she still has a motive to come I back. Because I don't think there was any motive behind that. That was not, the one one time that there is no motive behind what HG is saying. It's actually, actually the truth. Okay, I'm I'm going to argue with you on that one because there was a motive behind it, but she knew that she had to be genuine to get past Micah and Pete. That's true. Right, because we're not going to get past Micah without telling her the truth. So she is playing into her emotions. She's not lying to her. She's telling her truthfully what happened, but she does have a motive. It's just the standard Jamie Murray seductress. I know, because it works so well. Because <laughs> she's good at it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, the whole, uh, I love you. It worked on me. Believe me. It worked on me. <laughs> so I was like, what do you remember? I'm like, she smelled very nice. Shannon's <laughs> over there going, lie to me, manipulate me, please. <laughs> Do whatever. I'm willing. Let's go. Chain me up and put me in the hot tub. But, you know, <laughs> honestly, my biggest problem with Bearing and Wells is I can't choose. I, yes, I love Jamie, but man, I, I love Micah. Not Joanne Kelly, but I love Micah. I, um, I would choose Micah over HG. You know, I, I realized that I hadn't seen Joanne Kelly since then, and I and I went and looked up her filmography, and I know she's done a couple of things since then, but it's never anything that I've watched. She does a lot of B-movies, and she does a lot of stage, so she doesn't really get in front of the camera very often. SB, there was something you mentioned here a while back that she was doing, and that we were like, oh my gosh. Severance, so has- I think, right? What was it? Was it Severance? Se- surveillance? Yes. Oh yeah, it was an Apple TV oh, thing. Uh, yeah, but she, I know she does a lot of stage work, so she writes plays, and she's very prominent in Toronto still. And Annie McClintock did a stint playing villains, which I could never buy into. He's a jokester. I can't. I can't. just can't. I can't see that. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like John Blank. There is a thing 
that Jamie played in. Like, the first time I watched Spartacus, I didn't realize that, you know, I, I didn't know who Jamie was. <laughs> I'm talking about, I'm talking about God. You saw of a the lot of her in Spartacus. <laughs> I'm talking about Gods of the Arena, Spartacus, Gods of the Arena. I watched it. I'd, I had seen Warehouse 13, obviously, and then I watched Spartacus, Gods of the Arena. And then I watched it again, Warehouse 13. I'm like, oh. And then I had to go back to work. Then I had to go back to Gods of the Arena. Mm hmm. Did you, did y'all see? I know y'all, I think I posted it for my YouTube channel a long time ago when she was talking about what, what they did with her Merkin, right? Remember seeing that when I posted when she was talking about <laughs> yeah at the panel she was talking about you know they used Artie's she was making fun of Artie she was assault. Yeah. they were talking about how she they used you know Artie's eyebrows to make her murky. Artie's eyebrows yeah that was a that was a real gem that I was able to catch that on 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 video that was pretty funny there was a show she played in and it was one of her first shows and SP you might be able to find it. it it was a, she was a grifter and it was a British TV show. I think she was like 23, 24. And she looked very nice, very young. She wasn't. <laughs> We've talked about it before. I'm yeah. bringing up her. I but, remember you know, that. Drug victim, and, I cannot, and I have, I have the box set, but I can't remember the name of it. Uh, the bill. Before that. No. Well, he's looking that up. I know I'm probably late to the game on this one, but we keep bringing up the Star Trek references, and it suddenly just remembered that Artie is a Star Trek alum. Yes, yes he is. He is. Yep. Yep. He was the collector. Good purple. Which is ironic that he was the collector, seeing as how he works in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. It, now, now, what we need to see is the is the fact that some. I, I know we're not going to obviously at this point. But if somewhere along the line we'd seen a statue of Data in the corner of the warehouse at some point in time, that just oh would have God. been a good callback. Well, Brent Spiner actually is in Warehouse 13. He's in season yes. four. Oh, so you want them both. <laughs> okay. Well, no, you just, just <laughs> but you don't even need to see like all of Data. All you just needed like is something that's standing in the corner in Data's uniform off to the side where you oh, just kind of right? saw. Water. It doesn't have to be Data. It could be Lore. It could be before. I mean... Or or, oh. or or a box of tribbles, right? <laughs> or a box of tribbles. I'd have accepted yeah. that. <laughs> so talking about Star Trek, we get a new regent at the end here, and it's mm -hmm. a very formidable actor. It's Farhan Tahir, who plays Edwin Koson or Mr. Koson. His IMDB credits go back to 1989, and it's amazing how much he has been in that is just recognizable immediately. It goes all the way back, believe it or not, to 1997's Picture Perfect with Jennifer Aniston. He was hmm. in there. He was in a couple of episodes of Party of Five, an episode of Alias, an episode of Seventh Heaven. <laughs> it's kind of funny wow. considering, yeah, where he is right now. <laughs> Two episodes of The West Wing. I do remember him in that. Three episodes of one of Shannon's favorite, Jag. <laughs> <laughs> Three episodes of 24, one episode of Charmed, the original, not the reboot. The only one that we count, yeah. One episode of Monk. <laughs> I loved Monk. Uh, it was so funny. He is one of the two villains responsible for creating the MCU in the 2008 hit Iron Man. Oh, he that's was. right. He, mm -hmm. he, was, he was the guy who ran the, 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 ten, the rings. ten rings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. An episode of Lost which I did not watch, but I know it's a, a favorite 
series for many, an episode of Chuck, the 2009 Star Trek movie from J.J. Abrams. My favorite. Mm -hmm. One episode of Burn Notice. 11 episodes of Warehouse 13. So we're going to see him from this episode all the way to the end of episode, uh, season well, four, four. He's the guy that makes the decisions, so. Gotta have makes the decisions. He even played with Tom Cruise in the 2013 Elysium movie. He was in an episode of The Blacklist, three episodes of Once Upon a Time, three episodes of Scandal, one episode of Madam Secretary. And here's the next Star Trek hit. I don't remember Once Upon a Time. Seven episodes of 12 Monkeys, where he played with Todd Statwick. And there's the Star Uh, Trek connection right there. I need to see that. 12 Monkeys? I've never seen seen 12 Monkeys, yeah. It actually ended very well. Jake, did you see 12 Monkeys? I did. What I was about to say is I'm still disappointed they killed off Ted Statwick in Star Trek. (laughs) Yes! I am too. I really wish they hadn't. Well, they can bring him back. Yes, they can do like. anything they want. If they can make, if they can make a car to cyborg, they can do that. Well, it's like Agent Coulson in Avengers. You know, that was um, mm. a give and take with like, Kevin Feige and with Josh Whedon because they didn't <laughs> want to bring Coulson back because it would lessen the. What what do you got going on, Shannon? <laughs> she's playing with the lips that are up there that oh, we talked about the last time that are like moving. <laughs> All right, brain injury. I'm in sync. Now that we've pointed it out to you, you can't unsee it, can you? You can't unsee it. I was going to get my feet. No, I can't unsee it. Thank you. I saw it the last time and I was like looking at it going, what is the what, what is her lips doing? And then I'm like, no, wait, that's a fan. <laughs> but now you can't unsee it. It is Taco Tuesday. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know you love me. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have you any other way. Absolutely not. <laughs> Jake, why can't we see you? Because my laptop will not admit that it has a uh, camera on it. I argued with it for a few hours and it just won't even admit that it exists. Mm. I've had relationships like that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Before we close this up, it was directed by Matt Earl Beasley, who has 52 directing credits going back to 1998, including the 1998 movie Point Blank. Two episodes of CSI Crime Scene Investigation. That was the one with Ted Danson. Two episodes of Prison Break. One episode of Lost. Two episodes of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. One episode of The Closer. Four episodes of Criminal Minds. One episode of Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. This is all the same guy? Yep. I love that. One episode of Eureka. One episode of Knight Rider. The new one, not the old one. One episode of Warehouse 13, so this is the only time we get them. One episode of The Defenders over on Netflix, the Marvel over there. Three episodes of Hawaii Five O. Sixteen 16 episodes of CSI Miami, seven episodes of CSI New York, one episode of Scorpion, one episode of Falling Skies, which was oh, okay. That was a good show. I like, but I'm a big Noah Wiley fan, so. One episode of CSI 
Cyber. And I didn't watch this, but I don't know if you guys liked it or not. One episode of Lucifer. Sean watches that. He says it's really good. Okay. I've heard it's good, but I've never seen it. One episode of Colonel Minds Beyond Borders. One episode of Powers. One episode of MacGyver, the new one, not the old one. Loved it. And then we're going to close up with one episode of Timeless. Oh, nice. Timeless. But this is this is not the Kusanga, right? No, this is the director, Matt Earl Beasley. Oh, what he does, okay. Yeah, Kosan yeah. was the guy who was in Picture Perfect all the way through 12 Monkeys. I do. what was the name of that show that she's in? Casualty? No. I'm going through this. Doctors and Nurses, A Love Soup, Dexter? Before that. It was way before that. It was like Hustle? One of thank you! Thank you, thank you! Th- Hustle! Oh my goodness. Hustle. I was that's what I said earlier. It's Hustle. Nobody heard me apparently. I didn't hear you, but it's a British. <laughs> it's not really a sitcom. Although no, I said hackers. Never mind. I said hackers. See, I'm tired. 25 um, episodes of Hustle from 2004 to 2012. That was her first, I think, stuff that she did. And she was like early 20, like 23, 24 then. But oh I love that series. The only series that she did more episodes than Hustle was Defiance, which she is credited for 39 episodes. She was also Once Upon a Time. She was in the originals. Eight episodes of one episode. uh, Excuse me. Eight episodes of Once Upon a Time. The originals. huh? She was in the originals. Well, I think it's like one of the last seasons. I loved that series. It was a great series. Six Uh, episodes of the originals. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. So I quit watching Gotham. I didn't realize she was in five episodes of Gotham. I've never seen that, but I, I have seen clips of her in that in that show she was nissa al ghul in gotham nice mm. oh wow i didn't see that i haven't seen that show at all but like i said i've seen clips of it uh, i failed on that one it was just me and dc have a hate relationship and <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to go back to starling <laughs> tribune and the fact that i covered arrow for eight seasons and it was just a bad thing so i'm just, <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Just the first two seasons of Arrow were good. After that, we're really DC good. Just took a dump. So I just, yes, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then and then you know CW happened and it went. Carolyn, what was your favorite scene of this episode? Uh well, there were several, but some of it involved Todd and Claudia when um. Oh, I can't remember the person that does the caretaking of the Lena. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of her name. I'm sure everybody. No, I'm not. Mine's. I have no excuse. <laughs> um, when she uh, is bringing Claudia into the room and she's like, uh, I made tuna melt. And she's like, oh, bury the lead. And then Todd's standing there and mm-hmm. Lena's like, you guys have to live together in the same town. And she says, we'll say something. She's like, I'm looking at a dead woman. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, Todd's like, well, since the uh, Claudia won't come to the warehouse, the hardware store, the hardware store will come to Claudia. Oh, brackets, you shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, well, I was hoping we could be friends. She says, I can do black and I can do white. I can't do gray. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, well, you you mix white paint with black paint. (laughs) You can make gray. 
Then she says, you need to get out of the warehouse more and get some better metaphors. <laughs> so, Jake, you recently watched the episode. Did you have a favorite scene? Um, it's it's a little bit more general. I really enjoyed when uh, Micah and Pete were coming back in and my, and complaining about the bowling score. Just because that kind of, well, I mean, it it really wasn't that impressive of a scene. What it did is it kind of brought me back into the banter of the Mm -hmm. show after not having seen it in so long. It brings you back to realize that they're, you know, that brother and sister relationship that they have. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. This this episode was a lot. Sorry. Which also makes it disappointing knowing how the season ends. I know. Not, not the, not the yes. season, the series ends. Yeah. It's yeah. too early. It's too early. Don't get me started. <laughs> We're not on season two yet, Jake. <laughs> not don't don't get her started. Uh, uh this was uh this was a lot more of an intense episode, especially since the last one we had was such a comedic episode. But it was a good world building kind of episode for Artie and what happens to Artie and what how he became into the warehouse like he was and the story of Claudia and Todd and and HG and how she gets back into the warehouse. So that was it was a lot more intense. So I think this episode could have been a little bit more lighthearted, but when you combine mm-hmm. the writer and the director, which is why I mentioned them both. And I went through the list of like everything that the director did. It is serious episodes, a lot of crime procedurals and that sort of thing. I don't think that Matt Beasley can do comedic very well. I think the actors actually yeah. carried this episode and the writer didn't help himself either. And they see their he spent too much time on CSI Miami with David Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> 16 episodes. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. I mean, there were there were no cookies in this episode, no. um, but there was there was lemonade. I mean, there was a there was a song "C is for Cookies," but that was not. There a was cookie. mention of tuna sandwiches. I was going to say there was tuna melt, and there was a mention of borscht. Was it borscht? borscht while they were yeah. over there, yeah. So there was no there was no cookies in this episode. Unfortunately, and I didn't hear any Star Wars references either, so that was kind of a bummer. Nope. I think again that goes back to the writer and the director. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have to argue with Pete though, because I never hear the concept of borscht and decide that I'm hungry. <laughs> I did. <laughs> borscht came up in I think it was season two of for the for all mankind on Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it it always comes up in these really depressing <laughs> type episodes. You don't it's get a depressing food in good episodes. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> borscht in and of itself. If you're eating borscht, you're probably depressed. <laughs> well, we actually got some feedback from our previous <laughs> episode, or in between the previous episode and this episode, we got an email, which was awesome. It was from, and I, I really apologize if I get your name wrong, but Noani Kreider. So Noani, thank you very much. The subject is just a fan. She says, I don't know if this is the kind of email y'all expect, but I just wanted to say that I love the podcast so much. Warehouse 13 has been one of my favorite shows since I was a kid. I'm 20 now. 
And for the longest time, I couldn't find any fan content. I was so excited when I found y'all's podcast because it's awesome to hear people talking about the show. (laughs) I've been forcing my friends to watch the show with me just so I can drag more people into the amazingness of it. And now I want to show my family who knows the show. Y'all's podcast because it's amazing. I try to make sure I keep up with the episodes whenever they come out. Keep up the amazing work, you guys. P.S. Every time the Farnsworth on your podcast goes off, I check my phone because it's my notification tone. Aw, that's so sweet. I had that notification on my phone for the longest time. (laughs) That was very sweet. Thank you so much. That was the ringtone on my phone for a while, and then I just suddenly got to the point where it was scaring the hell out of everybody when my phone rang. So <laughs> I had that, and I had the communicator from Defiance. So I recently was cleaning out some files from my laptop, and I found my uh, Stargate SG-1 ringtones. No way! Now, Apple took them off when they did a cleanse of the ringtones a few years ago. I still got the files. It's going back on. I was going to say, put those back on because I was able to put mine back on because my ringtone still is the uh, theme to Firefly. Mine is one. Actually, my ringtone is Jason Aldean, but my alarms that go off are still the theme song for Wine on Earp. I have a lot of other ringtones on there that other people have, but my generic one is uh, Firefly. But that was a very sweet email. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you listening. And uh, and it is the kind of email we like. You know, and yes, I hope you can get all kinds of other people to watch this show because it is amazing and everyone should watch this show. So, Jake, is your ringtone the theme from The Greatest Escape or from Barbarella? <laughs> <laughs> Barbarella. Uh, neither. I haven't seen Barbarella in forever. I know. You only need to see it once and that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's one with Jane Fonda, right? Yeah. yeah that's enough. <laughs> Jane Fonda is one of those actresses that I love to hate. I love her as an actress. I just really don't like want to deal with her as a human being. But it's just kind of like, I hate the fact that I really enjoy her acting. What's that show she plays with Lily Tomlin? Uh, Frankie and Frankie and something. I, I like that. I like watching them interact. I like how they act together with in that in that show. Outside of that show, meh. Eh. Well, Jake, I will say that the two ladies on the show right now have seen scenes from The Greatest Escape in the past week because we talked about Steve McQueen's motorcycle the last uh-huh. episode. And I sent them the video of it's a compilation of Steve McQueen's motorcycle scenes from the great escape. So I sent it to them and uh, then I made the mistake of refreshing myself on what happened to those people. So it's, you know, (laughs) bad, but uh, yeah, Steve McQueen and his motorcycle scenes, you know, pretty good. He did those jumps across the fences. That was, yeah, that's called the great escape. That's the one where he's getting out of the Nazi camp, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. He's uh, mainly airmen that got shot down over in Nazi-controlled Europe. That were it's been a long time since I've seen that movie too. I mean, most of the characters in that movie don't make it, do they? Don't you know, if you go stuff, into yeah. the the movie, does actually detail the the three that make it out because there. This story? is it was yeah, it was a true story. 
actually they got word to them somehow through Red Cross or whatever to try to disturb things behind enemy lines so that it would cause their forces to be taken off the line from D-Day, basically. They were trying to clear out for, for D-Day. And uh, so they, they did the escape, and everything that you see in the movie is actually true. They, they tunnel underneath there with three tunnels. One of them collapses, and then they come up short of the tree line, which causes them to be discovered early. And uh, only 50 made it out, or uh, 70-some made it out, but uh, 50 were recaptured, and then they were executed later. They were taken out and executed later. So it was uh, kind of a sad story, but it was a success in the way that it was meant to be an escape-proof POW camp, and they actually got out. So Anyway, with that... I am going to ask Jake our famous question, and he doesn't know what's coming because he hasn't listened to this podcast yet. Uh-oh. Would you prefer to hear the description of the next episode from IMDb or Amazon? I think I have more faith in IMDb. All right. This is the shorter <laughs> one of the two by far. Pete and Micah use H.D. Wells's time machine to travel back to 1961. Ooh, I think I remember that episode. Yeah, that's the one I was asking about. Yep. Yep, that's the next episode. And, uh, and the Amazon description is longer. You will all hear it at the beginning of the next podcast. If you want to get a hold of us, please send us an email. It will go directly to Shannon. It is warehouse13fancast at gmail.com. That's warehouse a one and a three fancast at gmail.com. Or you can get a hold of these lovely ladies on the X. Yeah, Twitter. Yes. And Twitter. All right. <laughs> all right. That's all I got for this week. You guys have anything else? I'm just excited that Jake came on. You should come back with us more often. Well, it, it gets past my bedtime. Well, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's my fault. I'm in the Pacific time zone and I don't get home from work until five. And I can't podcast until 6.15. <laughs> It's only 1040 there, right? Yeah, it's late. Uh, Jake, you'll have to tell me when you're available again. <laughs> yeah, I sorry. My, fa- my fault. It's, 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 I'm the problem. It's me. It's okay. <laughs> and Jake, you'll love it. She's, one, she's from a, one of those left-leaning states on the coast. <gasps> well, wait a minute. If she has a concealed carry, then I, then I have faith in her. There you go. You do. There you I do. I mean, I'm, part, I'm from part of the, the Oregon that I love. So I'm are, part of the, part of the, the Oregon, Oregon that's that trying to secede from Oregon. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I wish, I wish I lived in that part of Oregon. I don't live in that part, but I'm, I'm a born and raised Oregonian. So I remember when it was system. I was part when, before it became Californized. Yeah. So that, right. that part is trying to go towards Idaho, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of my best friends lives, lives in Idaho. She's like, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Please take me. <laughs> That's it for this week. I'm the janitor, SP. I'm Sci-Fi Girl. I'm Ocean 363. I'm Jake. Bye. The Regent. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for an episode of the Artie's Attic Warehouse 13 fan cast. You can find all our episodes at warehouse13fancast.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up on our email, 
at warehouse13fancast at gmail.com. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking out lonewolfpodcasts.com. The intro music is Sci-Fi Hybrid Intro by Soundmake, and the outro music is Science Fiction by tunes to go Both were purchased on Pond5.com. Yeah, I was just watching, I was trying to, I started watching this week's episode around 7 o'clock because mm. I don't have time. And I didn't have time. So I had to go to the Girl Scout meeting and I'm trying to watch it. I bought it and I'm trying to watch it there. And of course, they wrote me into helping the other Girl Scouts do So I'm like trying to answer their questions and I have it playing in my ear at the same time. I'm like, thank God I already know this episode. But, you know, I had to see the finer points. And I do mean like the finer points as in Micah and, you know, a suit. <laughs> and then Jamie. So, you know. <laughs> Hey, Shannon. Jake's here. Hi, Jake. Hello. I was waiting for you to notice. No, busy speaking. <laughs> I was like, is she going to say anything? Or are we just going to no. like continue like, mad? Jake's Surprise! here. Jake's Surprise! Surprise! What's going on, Jakey? The problem with staying in the city for me, though, is the fact that I'm I'm not driving just a car. I'm driving my work van, and there's no parking garages that can accept it. I completely mm. get that. The hotel that I stayed at by the Pentagon the last time I was out there was the Sheridan, which is up the hill. So if you look from the Pentagon up towards the Air Force Memorial, that mm-hmm. three arch thing, it's yep. the hotel right behind there. Unfortunately, it's nowhere near anything. And you <laughs> have to walk for at least half an hour to 45 minutes to get uh-huh. anywhere from it, unless you're going to that Marine base that's there. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> I drive right past there on my way to work every day. Mm-hmm. You go up what uh three ninety five or whatever? Three ninety five across Memorial Bridge. Yeah. I the first time I recognized it as I was driving across, I texted my daughter going, I just drove past where Steve Rogers met the Falcon and um <laughs> her, on her, your left. Her <laughs> response nice. was her response awesome. was gee, Dad, that was great. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> So can you see us? We just can't see you, Jake. Yeah, I can. And as I said, I just for some strange reason. Uh, oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. SP, oh, uh, SP was I, uh, nice enough to give I, us mugs. I never got a chance to thank SP for my cars. Ah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> for your cars? <laughs> Sean made a joke on the other podcast where he said that he all he had said was that his mixer had died. Next thing you know, one shows up from SP. And I'm like, if that's how it that. works. So I'm like, if that's how it works, SP, I want a BMW. So I actually, what I end up with is a die cast and a matchbox BMW. <laughs> nice. Well, you didn't specify size. So, you know, next time. Uh, I, I, I didn't, but it, it, it was, it was still pretty cool. <laughs> When did you watch the episode? Actually, a couple hours ago. Okay. Did you remember? Did 
memories start flowing in yeah, memories started flowing in um I, I immediately remembered how nice uh, I, uh um, hg's ass was <laughs> i'm sure we'll hear a lot about that mm-hmm. yes 